Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Podcaster Steve Guerra invited me on his show, Beyond the Big Screen, to discuss the movie Black Robe, set in New France in the year 1634. I hope you enjoy the final part of this interview. I'm joined again by Mark Vinette of the History of North America podcast, and we are going to dive on the 1991 movie Black Robe, about the Jesuit who they call Black Robe, and that's where the name comes from of the movie. To get towards the final scenes of the movie, they leave Quebec City with a fairly sizable party of uh, maybe 20-plus people, mostly Native American Algonquin people, but then also Black Robe, the Jesuit, and one other Frenchman. And by the time they get to the Algonquin village, it's pretty much just a Black Robe at that point. Some of the party went on their own way. Most of them actually died. So I think that shows you the level of attrition that a group would take going through there. But maybe tell us a little bit about that village when Black Robe finally gets there. Well, I think the end of the movie is quite telling and ironic because after this long, arduous, challenging journey, our protagonist priest makes it to the village alive, hoping to spread the good news and to be part of this growing Christian community. What he finds instead is that his compatriots, the French Jesuit priests, have been murdered and, and there's only one left alive. In the village, there is total panic and despair because of diseases. Not understanding the transmission of viruses back then, the people were very wary of the Jesuit priests, the new arrivals, the, the foreigners, who they thought had brought these diseases in some demonic form. It's obviously not the paradise that the young priest was hoping to arrive at. Instead, it is his job to try and find some way of living alongside these people because although he's a new arrival, he's the only one left when the older priest that greeted him died shortly thereafter. The movie ends with the priest actually baptizing the Amerindians and giving them hope that this baptism will free them from this terrible plague, the plague that is killing their villagers. You also get the impression that Amerindians, the Hurons in the movie at the end, were not very sincere in their conversion. They were basically willing to do anything to get rid of this pestilence and therefore accepted to be baptized and to be, in a way, I guess, traitors to their own culture, but as a means of survival. In other words, we've got nothing to lose at this point. He wants to baptize us. He says that it'll save us. So be it. Yeah, but the final text that appears on the screen at the end of the movie gives us the results in that 15 years later, most of the Hurons in that village had died of the pestilence, and the Jesuit priests basically abandoned those missions and went back to Quebec City and many of them back to France. Yeah, I think that that's a big part of the movie. Lefork, you never get a really good sense. He, he seems to institutionally maybe believe in the church, but you don't know how deep the faith even runs through him. Like he wants to baptize people and he seems outwardly convinced of his faith, but he doesn't always necessarily seem internally completely convinced. But it feels like he's just being pushed along by the currents as much as the metaphorical currents of the water of them going to this tribe, but also just that there's a lot of pressure on him to do this, to reach this goal. And he does it 
and he baptizes them. And maybe that is some of the acting in the movie where we said the entertainment wise that it wasn't always the maybe the acting was a little not great. I wasn't 100% sure of his internal conviction. What I enjoyed about the depiction of the priest is that it was a nuanced and sophisticated and mature look at how the Jesuit priests were trying to do good. Now, we can look back hundreds of years later and say, how dare they have done that? But at the time, they thought they were doing good. They sincerely, in good faith, thought that they were bringing good news to the Amerindians who were ignorant at the time of Jesus Christ. They were not aware of Christianity, and therefore it was their job and part of their evangelization to get out there, overcome the obstacles, and hopefully convert and baptize these people so that they could one day reach paradise. And we hear the priest, the protagonist, LaForge, constantly mention the word paradise throughout the movie. Because that's his ultimate goal. He thinks that he's doing good and what he's doing will lead him to paradise. And he's also convinced that if the Amerindians accept his message, are converted and baptized, that they too will find paradise. So this is heavy stuff for those folks back then. We can't underestimate that. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Looking at it from a contemporary or modern viewpoint, this was very serious and important to them. In the same way that the Amerindians throughout the movie, we see how their religion is important to them and how they are convinced that their beliefs will bring them happiness after death. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, this discussion, we cannot underestimate the culture clash and we cannot underestimate the difference in religions and how fervently each group believed in their cause. Yeah, they were, you could see that in so many different ways that they their cultures just did not mesh. But then on a human level, August Schellenberg's character, his daughter, became involved in a relationship with the French person. And I think that's an interesting aspect of the French experience in colonization, that it seemed like the French, throughout their colonization of North America, definitely intermeshed and became more a part of Native culture than maybe say the English did. Well, we actually here in Canada have different groups of native peoples who are considered Métis, which is an Aboriginal word for a mixture of two cultures, a mixture of the French culture and a mixture of the Amerindian culture. So, yes, there was a lot of interaction between both cultures up here in Canada. 
as there was also elsewhere throughout North America, and the same case can be made for Mesoamerica with regards to the Spanish. So human beings, in whatever place they find themselves or in whatever civilization or society or culture they find themselves, it all boils down to very basic values. And when you study history for long enough, you realize that all the superficial things that sometimes we focus too much on, be it language, color of skin, sex, female, male, culture, regional differences, when you boil all that down, it's a cliche to say we all have so much in common, but I think it's very true, and history shows that to us every time. Maybe just to wrap up, what are some of your final takeaways from this movie? And what do you think that somebody watching this movie for the first time, or maybe the second time they watched it, they've listened to this podcast, and they maybe want to revisit the movie, what should they really be looking for in this movie? Well, firstly, history is complicated. There are accolades for some and blame for others. Too often, present-day historical scholarship focuses on a tale of woe and oppression regarding Western civilization. They ignore the many accomplishments to instead dwell on the negative, the faults, and the shortcomings. A new, fair, delicate balance is needed in our historical analysis, and I think this film is a good example. By the way, an interesting topic to research, study, and present and I'm speaking to the young folks out there, the young budding historians, is the history of history. And what I mean by this is the study of how historians have interpreted and presented the past over time. The 19th century view of Amerindians is regarded now as being much different than ours today. For example, how have Native peoples been seen through the historical lens in different eras? What about the evolution of the word savage? Because we hear that word a few times in the movie. The actual word savage, or sauvage in French, has evolved over the centuries and has been used differently, different connotations. The pendulum of historical interpretation too often swings from one extreme to the other. This indelible fact should be brought to light. In the end, I find that if you're working, studying, and interpreting in the middle zone, that's where you'll often find the truth. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the thought to leave people with. And if people want to, and they definitely should, go listen to your podcast. How can they find you and your podcast? Everything about my projects and activities can be found at markvinet.com. That's M-A-R-K-V-I-N-E-T dot com. There you will find info regarding my History of North America podcast and videocast series, along with details regarding the many books I have authored, including Da Vinci Code Meets Mission Impossible International Historical Mystery and Suspense Thrillers, available in print and digital format on Amazon. Thank you again for coming on the show, and I think people are going to hear more from you, and I hope they do on Beyond the Big Screen. Well, thank you, Steve, for once again granting me the great honor and privilege of sharing your wonderful audience. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope we get to do it again soon. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals. I'm Mark Vinette. I hope you enjoyed this special interview.
The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.